it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, and we're back for episode 18 of the podcast. Filippo, how you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. We came back last week, right? We came back last week from our long summer vacation. So if you guys missed that podcast and you want to know what we did during the summer, we did it there. But today we got an exciting episode. We're going to cover Europe. We're going to cover USMNT players abroad. Yep. So there's a lot to talk about here. You want to run through to everyone what we're going to go through today? Yeah. So basically, we're going to start off by looking at the top five leagues in Europe. We're going to give some early season predictions as far as winners and performers in those leagues. We're going to give our thoughts. It's exciting. I mean, you know, early August is kickoff of a whole new season. So I always get really psyched in the first, you know, first week of August. And especially now that the vast majority of the American player pool now plays in Europe. So you get to watch great soccer, but you also get to watch uh, Americans playing great soccer and playing with the best. So that's cool. And then after that, in the second half of the podcast, we're going to go through all of the Americans abroad in Europe and give our thoughts on how we think they'll do this season, maybe um, just give some projections for performance levels, improvement, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. if you are a, an American fan and maybe you're not as into the top five leagues, hang tight. <laughs> Don't worry. The vast majority of this podcast will also be Americans abroad. And if you're a European fan, you'll probably enjoy you know, the the top five league discussion. Yeah, we might use the word soccer here and there, but I think we can all get over that. <laughs> I, I I would I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. But um again, you know, it's it's just something I'm really psyched for. Uh do you have any news from this week outside of soccer? You're back in Orlando now. Yeah, I'm in Orlando, but really no news. Just looking forward to that. I guess we're going to have more updates as the, the, the year goes on to talk about World Cup and everything. Obviously, starting September, my channel and your channel, probably people are going to start seeing some very heavy load of videos focused on the World Cup. Yep. But no, not much, not much to update here besides starting the episode, the podcast. All right. So there, should we start with the Premier League? The Is it the best league in the world? In my opinion, yes. Does it have the best team in the world? That's debatable. But overall, in terms of competitiveness and having more competitive teams, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's the best team. We're going to talk about which of the top five leagues is the most balanced right now, which is not the Premier League, in my opinion. No. No. Uh, but yeah, it's, in my opinion, the best league in the world. And, and it's the one I watch 
the most behind the Brazilian league. And I pretty much watch it close. Well, I watch it more than MLS probably. MLS is probably my third one right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, yeah, the best one in the world. Yeah. I watched a lot more Bundesliga than I did Premier League last season because just so many of our guys were in Bundesliga. But that's kind of shifted this year, right? We have seven Americans playing in the Premier League this year. But first of all, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to go over some predictions. Who do you think is going to win the league this year, Tack? In the Premier League. And why is it Manchester United? (laughs) It's I'm a United fan, but no, it's not going to be Manchester United. I I thought Manchester United had a very bad transfer window, in my opinion, so far. Uh, we did sign uh, Martinez, right? Uh, the center back. Wait, did I say that right? Martin, it's Martinez, the center back. Yes, from Ajax. Uh, we did sign also a new left back. We were, the team is getting better, but no signing that Manchester United has made so far is very impactful to the roster. The major impact on Manchester United is Ten Hag. So the team will have a defined way to play. It will be a certain way. Do all players fit in? Absolutely not. He's going to have to build the team as the season goes on. So, no, my expectations for Manchester United are very cautiously optimistic. But I actually think this season, Liverpool might gain the league back. I know they haven't won much the Premier League the past, what, 25 years once or even more than 20 years. But they lost Sadio Mane. I think Darwin Nunes is going to be very good for this team in the league. Uh, The the team looks good, looks strong, ready to go. Um, Luis Diaz is much more adjusted right now. The back line is fine. Uh, and I don't think Manchester City got weaker. Manchester City replaced the players they lost, right? Fernandinho essentially was replaced by Calvin Phillips. And they were uh, both Manchester- upgrades. Both of the replacements yeah, were upgrades. They were upgrades. Uh, Manchester City let um, Gabriel Jesus leave and Sterling, which they both didn't have the best of seasons last year. They had moments. And then they signed Erlen Haaland, which despite the miss he had in the FA a Community Shield final, he'll be fine. He's going to drop goals. It's going to yeah. happen. Um, it's starting Holland. I think do you, do you worry? Do you think that Jack Grealish is the replacement essentially for Sterling, even though he came six months earlier? Yeah, essentially. Now he's um now he's adjusted also to the system, right? He's probably the replacement for Raheem Sterling. In last season, I mean, Manchester City and Liverpool were pretty much with a very similar campaign, right? City yeah, got it by back. one point. And City was almost even losing it at the last round at one point. They came back. So I think Liverpool will take it. It's up for grabs between those two. I know many people are going to say maybe Tottenham can challenge them. Maybe Chelsea can challenge them. Arsenal's looking better with Gabriel Jesus being added, the Gabriels that they have now. But I have to go with City or Liverpool, and I'm going to go with Liverpool this time. I think they're going to take it. They're still, to me, it's a two-horse race. Yeah, it's definitely a two-horse race. I don't think some people will ask about Chelsea. I think that Chelsea are kind of a mess right now. I mean, look at their transfer window. What have they really done so far in terms of they've lost players, right? Obviously, Christensen, I think, was a big loss. Rudiger. Um, yeah, they lost Rudiger as well. They sent Kulubali, though. Yeah, Kulubali is a good defender. But in terms of the attack, what have they really added to this team outside of Sterling, who is a good player and he'll be a good player for Chelsea? But I don't. Chelsea had a lot of issues last year, not just in scoring goals, but in being consistently dominant in games and creating enough chances to be a title contender. And I think that continues for Chelsea this season. And furthermore, you look at them in preseason, you have Thomas Tuchel admitting that a lot of his guys don't really want to be there or are maybe looking at a move that they've been hampered by the sanctions. I just don't see a strong group at Chelsea right now. I also think that Tuchel is a tactical genius or is a very good tactician. 
but he's not a good man manager. And that can only last so long, right? Your tactics can get you through, but if, you're, if your players are not happy and they don't really believe in you, I don't know. I just have this feeling that Chelsea are going to struggle again this year. Probably not outside of top four. I think, I think they'll still be top four, but I can't see them challenging. I think they can struggle top four. I think they will struggle. They could? Maybe. It depends. See, I don't buy the Arsenal hype. I think that Jesus was a good addition, but they're still Arsenal. And they just mentally are still very poor. I, I can't, I, I can see Arsenal having some amazing games where they play beautiful football and win by four or five goals. And then I can see them losing one nil to Crystal Palace. Like So Tottenham definitely improved and another season with Conte is going to be good for them. They could finish ahead of Chelsea. That is very possible. Who's a better addition, Longley or Koulibaly? Wait, who? Uh, uh, Longley, who went to Spurs from Barca. Oh, Koulibaly right now. Koulibaly right now. I think Koulibaly. Longley will give them a lot, though. The question, the question is, Koulibaly does get injured more than a fan should be comfortable with. So that could be a yeah. problem. But they also signed Richardson up top um, to help out Son and Harry Kane. I think Tottenham is going to look very good, and they could challenge for the third spot. Now, I am not buying the Arsenal hype of they're going to win the league and hear that crap. But I think Arsenal this league is a serious contender for the top four. They, they were already last year. They just bottled it at the end. Yeah, Manchester United, they are gonna they're they're in a transition season um, under Ten Hag. We'll see how that one goes in terms of that. But yeah, my prediction is Liverpool. Who who do you have winning? Because you didn't really say it. Yeah, I, I had Liverpool as well. I, I was tempted to say City after you said Liverpool, but I'd already decided Liverpool. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Jota and Luis Diaz are also going to take like next steps this season. Right, they're going to become even better. The one thing that Klopp has done so well is he's very good at improving players. Him and Pep both, right? They take a good player and they turn him into a great player. And I think we've only started to see the beginning of Luis Diaz. I think he's going to become a Salah-level player very easily, you know? Um, and in terms of losing Sané, between, you know, obviously not only bringing in um, Luis Diaz, but also, I'm blanking, the Portuguese kid. Nunes, I'm sorry. Uh, the Uruguayan kid, Darren Nunes. Darren Nunes. The two of them will add so much more to that Liverpool attack and will take some of the burden off of Salah and um, Firmino, you know. My only question with Liverpool is, are Jordan Henderson and James Milner still Liverpool-level players? And Oxlade-Chamberlain, those three guys. Milner is just there as a utility player, right? Sure, but when you need depth, those are the guys you look to? Yeah, I think they'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs> they'll, they'll be, they should be fine. Um, I think Liverpool will be fine in that sense. And then uh, again, I don't know. It was just the first game, but Manchester City against Liverpool in the FA Cup final. Uh, sorry, Community Shield final. It almost seemed like at times that they don't know how to play with a center forward because they got so accustomed to not playing with a center forward. So yeah. they're going to have to adjust to that. And I know they still created good chances for Haaland. There were two clear chances he should have scored, at least one or maybe both. But at times, the combination play didn't really seem like they were used to having that big guy up front. They'll adjust to that, Manchester City. It's going to be those two. But I do think also Manchester City, um, they have this obsession with the, they need the Champions League. And I don't know how much that can affect them in the second half of the season because they, they need that. Like Pep needs yeah. that. Not just City, Pep too, right? Those yeah. two. Um, we'll see how that affects. Liverpool, on the other hand, they'll have a – just like last season, they'll do it the same way. And they were, they were head-to-head with um, – with uh, Manchester City too. 
but yeah, that, that's what I have mostly on the Premier League. Looking forward to Leeds United, hopefully escaping relegation with the Americans. The one thing I want to add to everyone was, yeah, the Premier League is not very balanced up top, in our opinion, right? The top two are ahead of the rest. But when we say it's the best thing in the world, the way I see it is they have the strongest relegation teams and mid-table teams in the world. Yeah. Compared yeah. to that's why I think it's the best league in the world, mainly. Well, they also have some the best coaches in the world. Most of like, you know, they've got Pep, they've got Klopp, they've got Conte, they've got Tuchel. You know, there are other good coaches in the world, but the best ones for me are in the Premier League. The and, most expensive ones, yeah. Yeah, and, and also ones, they yeah. also have more money, right? I mean, the average mid-table Premier League team has more money to spend on quality players than any mid-table team in any league. You know, mm-hmm. so that just means more quality across the board. It isn't necessarily the most technical or even tactical league in the world, but it it still is the best in terms of quality and the most difficult one to play in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, real quick before we move on, who do you think is going to get relegated? Uh, so Bournemouth didn't really make any signings of impact. So and they're coming in from the, the championship. So Bournemouth is also one of the yo-yo teams that doesn't really stay much when they come up. So I'll have them going down Bournemouth. Um, Fulham has issues too, right? They don't yeah. have center backs. And we're talking about John Brooks maybe signing with them, but they don't have center backs. No. Um, so right now, Fulham is a very, very, very strong candidate to get relegated. Now, the other one to get relegated is where it gets tricky, right? You look at other players. You can look at another team that got promoted, nothing in Forest. I think Forest are a goner. I think they're a goner. I think they're probably going to go. They signed Jesse Lingard, right? They're trying. I think James Garner left. He was on a loan. He was a midfielder for them. It looks like Leeds United are safe based on other teams you have. I don't know if Brentford will also have a similar season. I do think Brentford overachieved a little bit last year, grinding out results. So I don't know, man. I kind of I don't want to say the three teams that got promoted. I don't want to be that guy. So I'll say Nottingham Forest, Brentford, and Burnmouth. I'll say that. I, Fulham will escape. They'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, you think Fulham's going to be better than Brentford, huh? Or, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just... I. I you don't want to basically say the three that went up are going back down. Yeah, that just seems like the obvious pick. I want to believe also Fulham with two Americans in it, Tim Ream and, and A-Rob, can maybe escape relegation. Also, the connection of the United States with Fulham, I would hope they would be able to. But Fulham is known for coming to the Premier League and coming back lately, right? That's what they've been. Also, it's I think losing Erickson will hurt Brentford. That will hurt. He did help when the, he was added onto the team. Ivan Tony's an interesting player to talk about up top, too. Um, they still have also, I think, Ethan Pinock still there. But uh, I think Brentford overachieved last season. I don't know if they're going to stay up this time. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Should we move on uh, to mm-hmm. La Liga? Yes. Now, La Liga. Not the best league in the world, but the most consistent Champions League winners in the world, right? Barcelona. The best teams. Yeah, the best teams, certainly. Um, and Barcelona, despite having zero dollars in the bank, continue to spend. I mean, what a transfer window from Barcelona. You know, Rafinha, Lewandowski. Who else did they bring in? Kunde. Yeah, Kunde. Uh, well, it's it, it helps that they were using Chelsea pretty much as a scouting department. Yeah, just like they, they brought right. Yeah, they don't they don't have a scouting department. They just wait for Chelsea to say we want Kunde, and then they go, oh, that guy <laughs> must be good. Go sign Chelsea. We want Rafinha, and they're like, oh, that guy must be good. Go sign him. 
But yeah, they made some very good signings. Not some. They made amazing signings, right? They yeah. signed Rafinha, Kunde, as he said, Lewandowski. They signed Frank Kissier from AC Milan on a free transfer. They signed Christensen for their back line yeah. that we talked about as well. They might still sign Aspiriqueta. That's been talked about, which I don't think he's a difference maker for the team, but he's a very good addition. Experienced, reliable, solid. Barcelona's back. And again, Barcelona, when Xavi took over last year, they improved, right? They improved yeah. quite a bit. They looked better. And you look at their options now. Aboumayang was brought in. Ferran Torres was brought in too. The team on paper is very strong. And I think this year they will be able to challenge Real Madrid for La Liga. And I also said this, I know this is off topic, but I do think they're the two favorites to win the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Real Madrid and their transfer season, bringing in uh, Chuameni, right? Bringing in Rudiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two guys are going to help them a lot. Um, a few of their other guys. You getting know, rid of Bale. In. Yeah. Get, getting rid of Gareth Bale will help them a lot. They brought in some more like depth pieces. Guys who are out on loan are coming back. But mainly, you know, Rudiger and Tuameni are the two big ones that will help strengthen that team. Um, the only question I have with Real Madrid is, did they strengthen enough, all things considered, right? Considering, you know, they do have some old players in that team, right? Modric is old. Benzema is old. Not saying they can't be good players and they, and they will still be excellent, but in the terms of a, a long grind over the course of the season, will they be impacted finally by their age? After the World Cup, a lot of players are going to come back exhausted because not just physically, but emotionally exhausting for coming back from a World Cup and still having to perform at a high level. This is the first time we've seen that, where they're not going to get much of a break after the World Cup. And then, bam, you're right back into, you know, I personally, I'm going to start, I'm going to say Barcelona wins La Liga this year. Well, uh, they got a I think good so coach. Yeah, go ahead. I just said I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. Good coach. Uh, they brought in a lot of talent, and they still have a lot of very young talent that's coming through their academy, who I think will be massive contributors, but also they're not going to have the pressure on them to be the guy. You know what I mean? So that, I think, is going to be really important for Barca. Their balance sheet might not look good, and the future of the club might be in doubt, but I think they're going to have a good season. I mean, if Xavi can't win the league with this group of players, it's very hard to see how he's going to win the league otherwise. Yeah, they know that when push comes to shove, Catalonia can just bail them out money-wise yeah. if, if it's needed, right? And then obviously when you look into La Liga, I also I agree with you. I think Barcelona will probably win uh, La Liga this season. Uh, but when you look at it, there's also two teams that come to mind that I don't think they'll challenge for the title, but they can bother. It's Atletico Madrid and Sevilla, which last season they were already pretty damn close to Barcelona. And then you got some other teams that are usually good. Villarreal that made a deep run on the Champions League. They always look good. But Unai Emery is mostly a cup guy, right? Yeah. Um, And then you got Real Betis. Sociedad did fine. Valencia under Gattuso. I mean, the team's not looking that good. But we'll see how Valencia... Valencia is not Valencia anymore. Let's just be honest. No, they're not the Valencia that won. When was the last time they won the league? It was like 03. I don't know, man. I, I remember growing up watching them. Yeah. I loved their team when they had Davi Silva and Davi Vila in the same team. Yeah, that, it was incredible. I think Joaquin, Joaquin was also there in that. It was such a good team. Um, how well we all... It was, right now, they're not the same. So it's mostly... Just like I said, the Premier League, I think this is a two-horse race. 
with a few teams that can bother, like Atletico, Sevilla, but it's really I would love Madrid. Atletico to win the league. I would love it. With Diego Simeone terrorist ball? Yes, <laughs> I would just absolutely love it because it's so anti-everything that the Spanish stand for, you know? They love beautiful, free-flowing football. You know, that's just who they are. And then this anti-football Argentine guy comes in and says, listen, I don't have your money. So I'm not going to try to play like you. I'm going to make your lives. He's like the Jose Mourinho, basically, that's that's in La Liga. Even and though he has a lot of money. They spend a lot of money, too. They spend a lot of money, but they don't have the money of Madrid and Barcelona. No. And well, if you look at how they spend, they spend to their strength. They spend to how they want to play, right? They're not trying to be Madrid or Barcelona. The, to be honest, they might have more money than Barcelona. It's just that we don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody understands where Barcelona's money comes from. Barcelona, the way expose one day where it turns out it's all Russian oil magnates funding them from you know, Barcelona. Essentially, bank. Barcelona is essentially the like, for all I know, we might have more money than Barcelona, but they we're certainly in less debt than Barcelona. I'll tell well, you, that if, if I reach the level of debt of Barcelona, I'm I'm done. I, I well, can't. you just declare bankruptcy in the US and then you're fine, you start from scratch. Yeah, yeah, honestly, if I reach 0.1% of their debt, I'm, I'm finished. Yeah. Uh, they're at 1.5 billion, I think, right now. But yeah, I have Barcelona for this one, and that's pretty much it. I have for so La Liga. So far, we both agree on Premier League and La Liga champions. Let's yeah. move to the Bundesliga. Um, Bundesliga. For me, the most balanced league in Europe, despite the fact that Bayern Munich wins every year. I disagree on that one, but I'll okay. get to that. I'll okay. get to that soon. Uh, do you want me to talk about why? Yeah, sure. Yeah, certainly it's balanced in the mid-table, but I do think the other leagues are somewhat similar in that sense, right? The gap between relegation and everything. I think the most balanced is the next league we're going to talk about, which is the Serie A. Um, from title race to mid-table to relegation, I think that's the most balanced, in my opinion, right now. And I'll dive into why when we get to the Serie A, because now in Bundesliga, I also think Bundesliga is once again a one-horse race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would if if Dortmund had managed to hang on to Holland. See, what I love about what Dortmund did this summer was they finally fixed the defense, right? They brought in Schlotterbeck and Schuler, right? And those were huge additions for a Dortmund team that was very good on the ball and was very good attacking last season, but leaked goals like a mofo. You know, it was just why can't they spend on defense? And they finally did, but then they also lost. Holland, who rescued them so many times, you know, last season. And, the, you know, they brought in Adeyemi and they brought in the, I, you know, the Ajax forward in. I forget his name now. But they're not the same level as Holland, you know. Well, uh, Sebastian Haller, but he also Holler, has a tumor. And he'll be yeah. out for, uh, we don't know, could be out for the season. I hope. First things first, let's hope he just completely comes out healthy from it. But yeah. how long he's out of soccer, we don't know. Yeah. So I can see them being fine in the top four again, but I can't see them, you know, challenging Bayern. There's just too much competition there. Although I will say they haven't replaced Lewandowski properly. I think Bayern is fine, man. I think they're better because Sadio Mane played as a center forward false nine for Liverpool last season. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, they signed Mazarawi, so they have the right back fixed, I believe. Should be yeah. fine. They signed Gravenberch for the midfield, which is just an extra addition. Just makes them yeah. stronger. They signed Matthias Tell from Rons, the 17-year-old French. Definitely 
not a guy to come in ready and replace no. Lewandowski, but for the future and can already have an impact this season. Sadio Mane signed Matias de Leitch, um, de Leitch. So, and they essentially only lost Lewandowski. Okay, not only. They lost Sule and Lewandowski, right? Yeah, but Sule was not a big, you know, no, player. No, them. and they replaced him with Matias de Leitch, which is... Um, yeah, it's de Ligt. <laughs> de Ligt. De Ligt. De Ligt. Delict. Too many languages to learn. But they yeah, also they, lost key players, Malik Tillman and Chris Richards. Definitely not key for them, but quality players to keep an eye on. But no, no, I'm kidding. Key. I'm kidding. Yeah, those were good, solid moves, honestly, for the for both of those guys. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be goal by committee for Bayern for sure. Um, but if yeah, I can't see Dortmund winning this year. I can't see Leipzig winning this year either. No, Leipzig. Even if they uh, get Timo Werner. Well, I don't think that's much of a help, but um, <laughs> I, I think Leipzig will finish second. I think Dortmund will be around third, and Bayern should win the league, all things considered. Um, who knows? For all I for all, I don't know, Sadio Mane could drop 20, 30 goals in Bundesliga this season if he plays as a center forward. Yeah, I mean, um, it is a drop down from the Premier League, right? It's going. Yeah. To, he's going to have an easier time in the Bundesliga than he will in the Premier League, and that's just the truth. This look at Lukaku, right? Look at you know uh, Tammy Abraham. Look at so many players who left the Premier League, maybe struggled, and then went to Italy or Germany and became ballers. You know. So yeah, there's. I agree with you. Bayern's going to win that. I can't see much else really going on. I'll I'll be watching the you know Americans in the Bundesliga, but other than that, the title race is not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to Serie A now? What you consider the most balanced league? Yes, I do. Yeah, we can move on to it. So, so Serie A was AC Milan are the defending champions from last year. After Juventus won, I don't know how many. No, in a row. Inter Milan won last. I'm sorry. Last year, last year was AC Milan. Before that was Inter Milan. Yes, but before that, it was Juve for God knows how long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Napoli made the top four. They they got into third. Lazio was fifth. Roma was sixth. Roma improved a lot last season under Jose Mourinho. Uh, it now feels like a top six race. Like maybe not Lazio, but any of those top four. I don't know if Roma could win the league, but any of those top four. I don't think Napoli is a title contender. I think it's between Milan, Inter, and Juve again. Yeah. So Napoli is about the same level as the AC Milan roster. Inter Milan roster has a little bit more quality. Uh, Juve has a little bit more quality. If they stay healthy, right? Paul Pogba might be done for this year, only come back next year. Uh, Wes McKinney's injured too to start the season. Roma is essentially the same team, but they added Dybala. That's yeah. a pretty good addition. Something they needed, right? A, a, a super talent up top. They had Tammy Abraham too. But yeah, I, I think Roma, Lazio, Juve, Napoli, Inter Milan, AC Milan, it's it. It wouldn't surprise me. That's what I'm saying. If any of them wins it, um, and then there's some teams that when they get it going, like Atalanta, I don't think they'll win the league. But Atalanta is going to be a major problem this season. They're not going to be in any European competition, I believe. Atalanta, and they're good. They're going to be a problem there. Now AC Milan, for example, they didn't really make any meaningful signings, right? They didn't really sign anything. Inter Milan, on the other hand, they brought back Lukaku. They signed Joaquin Correa from Lazio. That's another. They signed Onana for the goal. Uh, I believe Mkhitaryan, too, uh, that was in Roma, signed with Inter Milan. So Inter Milan strengthened their team. So did Juventus, right? Um, Juventus signed who? Paul Pogba. 
Uh, Vlavic came in halfway through last season. Who else did Juve sign in the offseason that I'm trying to remember? Uh, Bremer, the center back. That was technically the best center back in the Serie A last season for Torino, the Brazilian. Um, Di Maria signed with Juventus as long as yeah. he can stay healthy. So Di they, they made a big time. one. Chiesa will return. My only problem with Juve is this. What happens if Vlaovic goes down injured? Like they rely so heavily on him for goals. If he gets injured, is Moise Keane really going to be able to replace that kind of production? Or is it going to have to be Chiesa, De Maria, you know, all those guys chipping in with goals? Weston McKennie. It's It's tough. Like the thing with the Italian teams right now is the reason I say, I didn't say it's the highest quality league. It's the most balanced. None of these top teams we mentioned, the top six, really have a lot of depth. Have you noticed no. that? No, they don't. Uh, they, they just don't have it. So what you said, too, if if I guess if Lukaku goes down, you still have Lotaro that can bring in goals. Uh, so Inter Milan might be a little bit ahead in terms of that. But Inter Milan, AC Milan that won last year, Lazio, Napoli, Roma, Juve, it kind of seems like it's up for grabs. We'll see form. Yeah. Uh, Napoli, I think, started red hot last season and they fell off. Yeah, I just uh, don't think Napoli has enough quality to win the league. My my gas out. They might gas out. I think they'll gas out. I also think a lot of their attackers are very old, and that doesn't help them. You know, who um, would you pick to win the league, though? I mean, I'd probably say Inter Milan, just because I think of all the teams they have the most depth. But I don't know for sure. You know, it's it's like you said, it could easily be AC Milan. Juve could win it. I think Juve had injury issues. Pogba's out already. You know, McKennie's injured already. If they get any more injuries, they're looking a little threadbare, you know. Um, the drop-off between their top 15, 16 players to the rest of the roster is pretty high, I would say. Mm -hmm. And that's a concern for Juve. I'm going to go with Inter Milan too. More depth. I think in terms of quality, the starting 11 of any of these top six teams, they, they're pretty even. Right, yeah. very close at least that he can be, but depth will be important for a league this long. And and again, um, you talked about Weston being injured, Pogba being injured, and then we talk about Di Maria, which was a big signing. He is injury prone. We can't forget that. So I'll and go he's with not that. young either. Like you have to remember, he's not a young player. He's thirty four now, I think. Di Maria, thirty four. Uh, I don't know his age, but he's definitely a veteran. Very old. Um, right. Don't forget one thing. The Serie A changed one of their rules. I believe that if the two top teams end up tied in points, there's no goal differential. There's nothing. They play a one knockout round match in the Serie yeah. A this season, which as a neutral, and I believe you're neutral too, you don't really care who wins it. We kind of sort of want them to tie in points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be an interesting thing to see tie points, a one knockout game. Yeah, it could be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm rooting for Juve, though, just because of McKenney, if he's still there. If, in fact, he doesn't go to Tottenham, I don't think he will. I think at this point, they're pretty much solidified with him there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for Juve. It would be interesting to see a playoff for the first time, I think, in Europe for a league title, uh, like a playoff one-off match. It'll be interesting to see if anybody else adopts something like that, you know? We have this problem in Europe. If you look at the last four leagues, you and I have both called the same teams. But at best, outside of Germany, it's between two or three teams at best. Two in England, two in Spain, one in France, one in Germany, and maybe three or four in Italy. 
And, and yeah. this is the argument that a lot of people use against ProRel, which actually has nothing to do with ProRel. It has nothing to do with promotion relegation. It has to do with big teams being bought up by billionaires and just splashing ridiculous cash and UEFA being very, very sketchy with their enforcement of financial fair play. So this has nothing to do with promotion relegation, guys. This is to do with big teams getting bought up by multi-billionaire owners and just being able to splash ridiculous cash. Yeah, uh, I think ProRel has nothing to do with parity. Uh, the parity part that they claim so much is more of like having maybe a spending cap, right? Yeah, that that can hold things like that off. But really, the 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 gap has really nothing to do with promotion relegation at all. Uh, especially yeah. considering if you get a team like Leipzig, right? They came up getting promoted every single season since Red Bull bought Leipzig, right? And they and haven't been splashing cash. No. And then the first season they got promoted, they came from the second division without splashing much cash. They got second place in Bundesliga. So uh, promotional relegation doesn't have these issues. The parity thing is more of like putting a cap on spending, which I'm not for the MLS cap, for example, being as low as it is. But I'm no. also not opposed to having a salary cap. I think no, it, I it think eventually they'll have to put a salary cap in. Yeah. I think it's the only way to restore some sort of parity in the leagues. Otherwise, big teams will continue to spend. They'll continue to buy. They'll continue to, you know, buy off smaller teams. And it'll just become even more. They'll become and, an even bigger gap. But I think that's what most owners want because then they'll go and build the Super League eventually. The Super League is going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen um, eventually. What's interesting about this season is it's going to be kind of like two seasons in one. Because a team could go into Qatar, right? at the break for the world cup, an amazing team, right? Firing on all cylinders, doing so well. And then they come back from the world cup. Everybody's going to be exhausted after the world cup. That's just the truth. You know, team players could get injured. Players could be out of form, you know, coming back to a weekend week out league after going to the world cup is going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts form. Like a team that's sitting in first going into the world cup in one of these leagues could end up in fourth, you know, by the end of the season, just have a terrible, you know, last four or five months of the season. So it'll be interesting to see. We've never seen this impact before because the World Cup is always in the summer. How does this impact league races over mm -hmm. the course of the season? Yeah. Should we do France? Yes, absolutely. And just before we move on to France, we're going to the World Cup. I think this is one of the teams that's going to have the most, the biggest impact on them after the World Cup, which is PSG that we're going to talk about because mostly when you talk about Neymar and Messi, it looks like their main motivation for the rest of their career is this World Cup. This is what yeah. they are both looking forward to. Who the heck knows what Messi or Neymar we're going to get after the World Cup? Yeah. I mean, Messi's going to decide his future after the World Cup. You mm -hmm. know, he may not stick around at PSG. And let's be honest, he was good at PSG last season, but he wasn't the same Messi that we've seen in the past. Is that he hit the say? post a lot. He liked to hit the post a lot. It, it, hit the post a lot. He didn't have quite as many goals last no, season. He was playing the crossbar challenge last season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, PSG is going to win the title. There's just no competition. There are a few pretenders to the throne. Olympic Marseille, maybe. Lille, maybe. Lyon, maybe. I can't see any of them realistically challenging PSG, though, just with the money that they have. For Liga, I think there's really no debate. That's probably the most unbalanced league of them all. Just have PSG winning it. There's no debate, right? Yeah. Um, and then second place, honestly, I don't know. Monaco lost 
one of their key players. I think Olympique Lyonnais or Lyon can do a little Lyon, bit better yeah. than last season. They finished eighth. I want to see how Lille does. They were the current champions last season. They finished in 10th. The league also lost Bordeaux last year. Bordeaux, which was one of the main teams, right, in the league yeah. in general. But they lost them. So we'll see how all of that goes. But I think there's really no debate in terms of Liga. Yeah, there's no debate at all. Do you have a word from our sponsor? Yeah. So before we continue on with the Americans Abroad, a quick word from DraftKings. And thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. Download the, the app DraftKings Sportsbook and use the code TBPN. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code, as I said, TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's the promo code TBPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And also, obviously, gamble with responsibility in MMA, basketball, football, and much more. Once again, thank you, DraftKings Sportsbook, for sponsoring this podcast. And don't forget to use the code TBPN as you will be helping the podcast in the process. Once again, that is TBPN. And as always, we have a review to read from Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for all the ratings and reviews. We really appreciate it. Uh, this is from Best USMNT Content Creators Around by SGR. Lots of numbers. I've been, Pete, I've been following Pete and Filippo on their respective YouTube channels for a while and can't get enough of their superb insight and analysis. So happy to now get more content from these two in the form of a podcast, which makes my commute to work fly by. If you love the USMNT or just soccer in general, this podcast is a must. No better soccer content out there, in my opinion, Big things ahead for these guys. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the section of the video that I was looking forward to quite a bit. Essentially, the USMNT abroad section that we're going to talk yeah. about all the players. Um, we're going to go through the order that I just use in the episodes. That's okay? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So we're going to talk about each player. And then from there, some of them will give an opinion. Some of them will just move forward and let you guys know the club they play and that you guys should watch out for, right? It's always good to follow the Americans abroad. So right away, the first player we should talk about is Christian Pulisic, right? He gets into the season with Chelsea with a weird situation. Chelsea was going to leave or go. Does he fit Tuchel's system? Does he not fit Tuchel's system? Chelsea signed Raheem Sterling. But in the other hand, Timo Werner is probably going to leave. And it looks like Ziyech might leave. And they weren't able to sign Rafinha. So if yeah. ZH leaves and Timo Werner leaves and they're not able to sign anyone at that level, it looks like Pulisic could see some heavy load of minutes. And also Lukaku left. We yeah, I was going to say, that. Lukaku's gone. So now who's going to play center forward? It's going to be Havertz, right? Or Pulisic. <laughs> or Pulisic. Oh, my God. <sighs> False nine for Pulisic for Chelsea. And then, and then Chelsea fans will complain about him not being perfect when he's just playing wherever he can to help the team. But, yeah. It's a season where, unfortunately, I don't see us having much stability for Pulisic yet. It's still a little confusing of what's going to go on with it, right? Very yeah. confusing. Um, so we'll wait and see. Uh, honestly, the only thing I'm hoping for is a healthy season. No injuries. The rest, he can figure out from there. Stay in Chelsea till the World Cup. They're clearly going to have to play him right now because they just don't have enough players. But it's hard to predict what's going to happen with him this season. Tuchel is hard to predict too, you know, and we also don't know if Werner and, you know, ZH leave. There are rumors, right? 
Werner could go back to Leipzig. Ziyech has been rumored all summer. He's still there. So it's possible that, you know, the transfer window slams shut and they're both still there. And that just means more competition for Pulisic because Sterling is going to, I think, be a starter for them probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I can't maybe. see then if he's a starter, does Ziyech play on the right? Does Pulisic play on the right? Right? It's very hard to see how that's going to go this season. Um, Ziyech has ego problems. Right? Huh? Ziyech has ego problems. So it might be a problem with Tuchel too. Yeah. Yeah. That could be an issue as well. It's just so hard to predict. It doesn't look like he's been super good in preseason either. He's played limited games in preseason. He hasn't really looked like himself. And I wonder if there's a move or the possibility of a move going on in the background. Maybe Pulisic wanted a move, but the new American owner, Todd Bowley, is like, no, we need to keep the American for our, you know, marketing purposes. <laughs> or not just marketing purposes, but maybe they don't want to lose their American asset, which, let's face it, is huge for that club. Yeah. So you want me to go to the next player? I think that was quick run through Pulisic. So next on the list, Wes McKenney, that we just got the news Today or yesterday? Was it today? Yesterday. Today, officially. Yeah, so he's out for three to four weeks. He should be back in September if all goes right. It's a little worrisome because Weston, we saw a little bit after the foot injury, he did come back a little bit over his regular weight. He was a little bit heavy. And in preseason, he still looked a little bit heavy. And then now he gets this injury, which definitely won't help. Which means, and I know September is still far from the World Cup, but it, it is a little worrisome, right? Um, yeah, it is worrisome, especially because he spent so much of the second half of last season injured, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny you mentioned his weight. Chiellini sort of cautiously so, brought it up as well in the press conference. He was like, he's a fantastic player. He needs to make sure he really looks after his body, you know? And that was, I think, Chiellini's gentle way of saying he's got to be a little more professional. And mm-hmm. this is not news. This was in the Juve documentary that they were talking about his weight, the coaching staff, and how they want him to lose some weight to be more fit. So this seems to be an ongoing issue with Wes. Um, But his weight aside, you know, if he's fit and in form, he's a fantastic player for Juve. But now that he's injured, it's tough to see what will he look like when he comes back. I mean, Wes has the additional motivation of the World Cup, right? He wants to not only be at, he'll be at the World Cup if he's healthy. But Mm -hmm. to be as fit and as hungry and as ready and as sharp as he can be for the World Cup, I think that has to be the motivation for Wes because Mm -hmm. we cannot have a half-fit, overweight McKinney at Qatar. He won't start, or at least he shouldn't, in my opinion. Yeah, if he's not fully fit, we have options. We have Musa, we have Reina that can play there, we have Brendan that can play there, and we have De La Torre that can play there. But we're going to get to these players now. So the next one, quickly, is Giovanni Reina from Borussia Dortmund. He's back. He played the number one minutes. player I'm looking forward to watching this season is Gio Reyna. And he played as an eight that game. Yeah, um, he's finally back, played 45 minutes in a friendly, was involved in the goal, right? Coming in from the right hand. He put a cross in that was, you know, blocked, and then the rebound was basically tucked away. But he looked good. There was one sequence that I really enjoyed, received the ball in the pocket in midfield, took two guys out of the game with a dribble, and then kind of scuffed the shot, which... But again, you see that it's almost what he did against Mexico, just starting running through midfield, or midfield making players look stupid. Um, a healthy Gio Reyna is so, so crucial for our hopes in Qatar. And I'm glad he's back. I know they're going to be cautious with him. I don't think he's going to start this weekend. He mm-hmm. might be on the bench. He may not even be on the bench. They might be very cautious with him, which honestly I recommend. Good for them. But man, 
if he can get into form before the Qatar, he is for me the most interesting player to watch. Yeah, it's our highest ceiling player, in my opinion. And hopefully Dortmund's medical department's not the same as last season that did a horrible job with yeah. Reina, with Holland and other players. But yeah, I, I think they're probably gonna be very caught. I wouldn't really expect him to even start any game in August. We might see his minutes maybe progressively get higher in September. Maybe he'll get minutes this month, play a little bit off the bench. I think he but, will get minutes by the like last two weeks of August, but I don't think he'll start any games. No, maybe September they'll give him a start or two, maybe eventually. Uh, I'm okay with that. Take yeah. your sweet time. <laughs> yes. We want a healthy, uninjured Gio Reyna, right, at the World Cup. That's our Especially because after the September camp, which is the last week of September, that camp for the United States, we only have a month for the World Cup after that. Not not the games, but essentially the call-up, right? October and then November early. It's already rosters. World Cup pretty much kind of starts there. So as long as he gets a few starts during October, he'll be ready for the World Cup. So go slow with Giovanni Reina. Uh, he is only 19, turns 20 this season, and he has almost 60 Bundesliga caps already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's it's people still under, I still, I still see people on Twitter saying he shouldn't start for us because he hasn't proven anything. I've even seen takes like he shouldn't be in the roster. I just don't understand that. I don't understand those takes, but it's it is very, cool. it's a very small group, a little bit yeah. of a cult. Uh, the next one, Pete on the USMNT abroad is Sergio Dest. Okay. And his situation is kind of iffy too confusing. To say yeah. the least, um, Xavi's system, right? It's seemed to me, this is what I noticed in preseason a little bit last year. He seems confused with positional play at times. Doesn't know when to go, when to stay, when to make the run, when to drop deep. They also don't have their fullbacks pushing high up the field. The width comes from the wingers. So Dest plays as a more defensive right back, which is not to his strengths, which is dribbling, long shots, cutting inside. So it does seem like a system more well-suited for an Araujo, for example, right? Yeah. Or if Aspilicueta comes in, more suited for him. Regardless, Xavi has backed Dest and said Dest is there for the future. I expect him to get minutes. Whether I, I don't think he'll start much this season. Yeah, maybe 10 to 15 game starts and mm -hmm. then, you know, coming off the bench in other games. I honestly don't mind, though, if he plays a little more conservatively because I think that's an aspect of his game that he needs to improve on, right? The defending. And so if his job is going to be to be more defensive, I think that can only help him. The downside of that is you don't get to see him bombing up the pitch that much and, you know, combining in midfield, his flair, his technique, the strengths, you won't get to see that much. But if it can help him improve his 1v1 defending, that can only be a good thing for us going into Qatar. Mm -hmm. If Azpilicueta goes to Barcelona, then I would be very worried about him because between Azpilicueta and Araujo, it's hard to see how many minutes Dest is going to get. But if it's just him and Araujo, and Araujo is playing as a center back as well, right? Honestly, mm -hmm. is better position. Um, then I, I, I'm not so worried about Dest. I'm honestly not. Araujo might even push the play as a right back, though, because that's where he plays for Uruguay usually. So we'll see. But if it, even if he is the starting right back, Araujo, that's just one guy, and they'll rotate. And also, if center backs get cards or suspended or injured, Araujo might be moved in there, and Dest will play. So. I'm not really worried about two. They have two games a week yeah. for the season. I'm I'm not worried about his minutes if Azpilicueta doesn't go there. If Azpilicueta yes. goes there, then I become concerned. 
because then the rotation could very well be Araujo and Aspilicueta and that's rarely play. That could yeah. be a problem. Yeah. The next ones on the list are the Leeds boys, right? All three yeah. of them. Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, and Mr. Jesse Marsh. You take it from here because you're going to be doing a special Leeds coverage on your channel for the most part. Yeah, I'm going to do a lot of Leeds games this year. I mean, how can you not with three guys like that playing there? Um, I really like what Leeds have done in the transfer market so far this season, even though they lost, you know, two big players, Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. They didn't replace them like for like. And some people don't like that. I think it's actually smart. I think Leeds had way too many injuries last season to key players and that now they have more balance and depth across the roster because of all the different additions they brought in, including Aronson and Adams. Aronson's been looking really good in preseason. Adams looked really good against Cagliari uh, this last week. So I was encouraged. But preseason is preseason. And I think on Twitter, sometimes people tend to overreact too much to preseason. There's um, the big question for me is, will they adapt to the intensity of the Premier League, right? Both Adams and Aronson. I think they can, and I think they will do well, but there will be some ups and downs for not only them, but for Leeds this season. I don't expect Leeds to get relegated. I also can't see them pushing for a top 10 spot in the Premier League. I think that one area that they really struggled last year was defensively, and they haven't really strengthened the center back position at all. I also think that who's going to score the goals? Patrick Bamford is not a proven Premier League goal scorer for one. For two, He's been injured so much in his career. It's hard to see him staying healthy. Rodrigo, maybe. Do they play Sinistera up top? I don't think so. I think he's going to play more wide. Um, maybe I guess they'll have to chip in with goals. It's going to have to be goals by committee for Leeds unless they bring in a center, a proven Premier League goal scorer. I don't think they'll push for top 10. I, I also want to add to what you said about preseason. I mean, I understand that some people might have just started to watch soccer, and that is fine. That is totally fine. But anyone that has watched it for the past, I've been watching for probably 20 years by now. You've been watching for around that or more. Our older viewers are probably watching for even longer. And there's some people that might have watched it more recently. But if you watched European soccer for long enough, you know these preseason games mean nothing, right? It's encouraging to see them playing well. But when the season starts, it means nothing. The game is different. They, I've seen seasons where you had players killing it in preseason and barely playing during the season. Now, Brendan and Tyler will play a lot because of Jesse. Yeah. But I saw some takes after they watched Brendan play against Cagliari, which is a Serie B side, second division of Italy, which I expect Brendan to tear it up against them. I obviously do. Yeah, They were saying that Brendan would be more productive than Pulisic in the Premier League and this and that. But look, guys, last season, pull up some stats here. Brendan Aronson, in 26 games in the Austrian Bundesliga, got four goals and five assists. So are we really going to say he's going to just show up in the Premier League and drop 10 goals in a season against a team that won't be dominant like Salzburg was, right? It's easier to score for Salzburg in Austria than it is to Leeds against any Premier League opponent. So let's just be rational here. If anyone watched... European soccer or any any soccer in preseason in general, friendly matches, they should know better by now. These are encouraging. Get excited. It's cool to see it, but don't make assumptions of the season based on what we're seeing in preseason. 
They're a different yeah. story. Don't think Brendan's going to drop 10 goals in the Premier League this season. Don't think he's not going to struggle. He'll struggle a lot, and that's perfectly Honestly, fine. if he gets five goals and five assists this Ooh. season, I'll be very happy with Brendan. I'll be Amazing. like, that's a great season for him. Yeah. Honestly, it, it just is. People don't understand how hard it is to play in the Premier League. Uh, Pete, I saw takes of people saying that he was going to replace Rafinha at the same level. And, and it's like, guys, Rafinha dropped, what, 13 goals last season and was trying to carry the team through relegation. Um, no, that, that's also not his level, right? Yeah. Um, and that's also not really what he was brought for. He wasn't really brought yeah. to be a new Rafinha. They're completely different players. Don't overhype. Don't, guys, don't overhype preseason. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I, I, I'm, I'll tell you all this. Um, I was very skeptical of these transfers. I still am. But because of preseason, I'm a little bit less because it looked good. But we'll see how yeah. the season goes. I'm looking forward. To, I'm going to watch a lot of leads this season um, for sure. Two more things for me for leads. I think Tyler Adams is going to be successful because of being partnered with Mark Roca in midfield. They're going to play a double pivot. Adams' job is going to be to destroy. Where it really, where Adams really struggled is when you ask him to be the guy in the build-out. When he has to receive the ball from the defense and get it to the attack in a meaningful way, that's where he struggles. He's just not that technical of a player. But Roca will do that. Roca is a very good technical player. And he's going to sit next to Tyler Adams. And all Adams has to do is be a disruptor, which is his strength. So I think he will be successful in that role. We've seen Adams play as a lone six for the U.S. so often. And, and we've seen him struggle at times. But I think partnered with a guy like Roca is very smart for what, you know, what leads are trying to do. The other thing is I want to see Jesse Marsh. I know he's instilling his system in preseason. When it's not working... And there will be many moments this season where it won't work. How flexible can he be tactically? That's my big question for Jesse Marsh. He is a pressing merchant. He believes in the Red Bull system. He wants to be very direct, very quick. And it can work in moments for sure, especially if you're a smaller team and you don't have the quality of a big team. You can really disrupt opponents. When it's not working, does he have a plan B? We saw flexibility from him last season, which I honestly hadn't seen much of from Jesse in the past. So that was encouraging. I'm going to be watching Jesse Marsh this season. Is it my way or the highway? And when it's not working, it just, we fall apart or can he adapt? That's you know what I'm question. concerned about the pressing. I, I understand many teams in the, the premier league play a pressing Liverpool, right? And it's very yeah. successful. My main concern is this, his adaptability. And unlike other leagues, the premier league has a lot of teams that can bypass a press, right? More technical teams. How's he going to adjust to that? You can't just press like Manchester City, for example. If you go high a high line and go press Manchester City, you're gonna get screwed. It's gonna be bad. Yeah. And other teams too, Liverpool, even Manchester United, besides Harry Maguire, you press Harry Maguire when you see him with the ball. Uh, but how's he gonna do that? It's gonna be a great test for Jesse Marsh, and we'll see how flexible he is. But so we don't go on for two hours. Let's speed up here the podcast, even yeah. though if anyone made it this far, that means they they enjoy us. So but yeah, we're going to try to go faster. So goalkeepers in Europe, Zach Steffen got a loan to Middlesbrough. Ethan Horvath got a loan to Luton Town. And Matt Turner is on Arsenal now. I'm Zach Steffen and Horvath are expected to be the locked-in starters for their clubs. And Matt Turner is expected to be a backup of Aaron Ramsdale in Arsenal and hopefully play. <laughs> People are saying he's going to play Europa League, but I don't necessarily think that's true. Has Arsenal rotated goalkeepers in the Europa League in the past? No, they haven't really. I, I don't follow it enough, but 
even if he does, that's not many games, right? That's like Zach Steffen last year um, with cup games. Well, it's more because Steffen only played the last two championship games. But yeah, maybe 10, 12 games a season for Turner. But why would they rotate him? That's the question. That doesn't make sense to me. I think that's wishful thinking. Like Europa League's a good trophy. They know they're not going to win the Premier League, I think. And I think it's going to be very obvious they're not going to win the Premier League. Europa League, they might have a shot. Right, that's a more realistic trophy for Arsenal. Honestly, why would they rotate? Like, why would they rotate the keeper? I hope they do. I'll be great to see Matt Turner playing the Europa League. I can't see it though. So for me, this is between Stefan and Horvath. Who has the better season? Yeah, and then now, as I said, like we do in the abroad series, we're going by position. So that's why I named the goalkeepers. And there's not much more to talk about there. Play. They're fighting for the number one spot in the United States men's national team now we're going to go to the center backs okay the first center back i usually talk about is john brooks that is currently unemployed and i'm even wondering did he retire pete or something are we do you not know something <laughs> you know the guy who's going to be the var referee for chelsea this weekend is uh, named john brooks so maybe, he basically had a career switch <laughs> john brooks became a var ref and he's gonna he's gonna go to the world cup and just screw over burhalter <laughs> like, so why like, hasn't he gotten a transfer do you have any thoughts on that uh, I have specu- speculative thoughts. He might thoughts. He might just be trying to leverage. So waiting till the end of the transfer window, and then clubs that are desperate, he can just like, hey, you need a center back. Um, I want my salary demands. It, it's risky because one, he missed preseason of every single club, so he yeah. takes longer to adjust, get informed. Two, he might get to the end, and the club might say, I want you, but I don't really need you, so I can offer you this. This is what you got. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what's up with Brooks, man. I, I don't understand what's going on. I think it's nonsense that some people are saying there's no interest for him. That is just plain nonsense. stupidity. There's yeah. definitely interest. It's just, does the interest match his salary demands? And right now, yeah. clearly it doesn't right now. So from what um, I've heard, he wants 5 million a year, which is almost a hundred thousand euros a week. That's a lot. That's pre- that's top six, seven premier league level players. And maybe the top two or three in Bundesliga. He's not at that level. So he has to adjust his salary demands to, to the level that he's at, which is a good mid-table defender in the Bundesliga. If he can adjust his salary demands, then then great. The other thing is he wants to stay in Germany. This is what I've been told. He wants to stay in Germany because his family is very settled there. But the German clubs don't have money. So it's one or the other, John. You know, you have to re- reduce your salary if you want to stay in Germany. And honestly, even if you want to leave, you probably still have to reduce your salary because 100,000 euros a week is a lot. Watch a major plot twist. He goes to MLS, signs as a DP, gets the money, and then next year when Greg leaves the United States men's national team, he coaches John Brooks at the club level. <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> and they become plot BFFs. Plot twist. He plays in MLS and gets called into the roster immediately. No, he get yeah, exactly. He goes to MLS and he becomes Greg Burhalter's best friend. <laughs> that would be that would be the plot twist of the year of the cycle. Yeah. I don't even um, know that does Columbus crew have any DP spots available? I'm not sure actually. I think they just filled the third one with Chicho. Chucho, Cucho, but he was Chucho's a young DP. He's a he's that that young DP thing. Um I'm not sure. Zardes was a DP, right? Yeah. Yeah, Zardes was a DP. So they might have a spot available. But I don't <laughs> John know. Brooks, Columbus crew. <laughs> uh, that would be quite something. Quite something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, going on, going forward with this center backs, John Brooks, we don't know where he's going to play at the time of this recording. Chris Richards, that's signed with Crystal Palace. We'll see. Uh, Mark Gehi, right? That's how you say it, Gehi. 
Uh, he's the captain of the team at age 22. He is uh, possibly an English national team World Cup player. Uh, he was in the last call-up. He will probably leave Crystal Palace next summer if he has another season like last year. And they had yeah. one of the best defenses in the Premier League, a top eight yeah. defense. Uh, so, again, he'll get minutes. If they play a back three, he'll play a lot. If it's a back yeah. four, he'll have to be in good form and everything. But I love the challenge. He's going to a top league, going to play. He wasn't going to play for Bayern. Anything you want to add on Chris Richards? But Yeah, so even if it is a back four, there's a chance he could play as a right back uh, because Patrick Vieira in preseason has done a lot of playing a back four, but the left back plays very high up the field and the right back, which has been James Tompkins, uh, it's a different level there, uh, is playing as sort of a stay-at-home right back. And it essentially becomes a back three in possession. So mm -hmm. I don't think he'll play right away. He just got there last week. So I think he's, you know, we'll probably see him on the bench this weekend and for the next few games, but they'll slowly work him in. And I think he will get 10 to 15 games as a starter and then maybe another 10 as a, as a sub. And people got happy because I said the name right. It's Patrice Vieja. Who? Uh, his name, the Vieira, the oh, coach. Vieira. It, it's Vieja. Patrice Vieira. Vieja. They, 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 <laughs> they, some French guy loved it because it's like, oh, the first time I hear someone in, in a while, someone say Patrice Vieja. <laughs> um, now, skimming through quickly, the other center backs, Palmer Brown playing for Tra in League A. Expect him to start this season again. Mark McKenzie's in Genk in Belgium. Cameron Carter-Vickers in Celtic, now on a permanent deal. So anything you want to talk about him? I don't know. Champions much. League. Yeah. He's going to be in the Champions League. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Yeah. Justin Che, that's not playing much for Hoffenheim. Might not get many minutes this season. We'll keep following Justin. Nico Carrera, that plays in Bundesliga 2, is fighting for minutes at Holstein Kiel. We'll keep a track of him. He's also a dual national. Owen Atasawi is one to talk about quickly. Yeah. It looks like his mind is back in the game. We'll find yeah. out soon. Played more in preseason. A, looks like he accepted that center back role, which is ideal for him. Played in the back three. I guess player to watch out for someone that we kind of forgot about because he didn't seem to be one want to be a soccer player anymore yeah. but definitely some it's still a very talented player that i'm actually looking forward to seeing this season yeah don't forget uh, tim ream I, I don't think he's going to play at fulham um yeah he was benched the last two times they got promoted he's going to be a bench guy he's going to be an eyes and vibes guy for fulham this season i was gonna get to ream when i get to robinson because i talk about them together in oh fulham. okay yeah but then matt miazga that Still doesn't have a club. Technically Chelsea. <laughs> technically, yeah. yeah. He's a Chelsea player. Kobe. Watch that be a plot twist. They have yeah. so many injuries in defense that Matt Miazga starts playing for Chelsea. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, then you got Kobe Henry. That's in Rons or Rons in League A, which he'll play in the reserve squad. He's 17 also. He's super yeah, young. Yeah, he's a kid. Or 18, right? Turned 18. 18 Austin yeah. Trusty, that'll be playing at Birmingham City in the yep. English Championship. He starts. Um, that, yeah, that's he's apparently very out. good for them last weekend. I didn't see the game, but the fans were raving about him. Yeah. And then we go to the fullbacks, which is Jedi Robinson and Tim Ream. You kind of just talked about Tim Ream already. He probably won't start. Robinson hopefully will start, even though he was sort of benched a little bit at the end of last season. But I still think he's a locked-in starter for Fulham. Reggie Cannon in Boa Vista, Sam Vines for Antwerp, left back. Brian Reynolds, that will be on a loan at Westerlo in Belgium. Uh, Joe Scali, that played yeah. for, for Borussia Dortmund, scored, right? Did you watch yeah. that game? Yeah. Yeah, he scored yeah. a goal for München Gladbach in the DFB Pokal against mm -hmm. a lower league team. But still, you know, it was good to see it. Mm -hmm. 
Kevin Paredes that I'm hoping he'll get a little bit of minutes throughout the season with Wolfsburg. Definitely won't be a lot, but if he, by the end of the season, has like 500 Bundesliga minutes, I think that's a good season for him for this year. And then obviously from there, pick up more. And by the way, if there's any player here that you have any thoughts they want to talk did about, you, just did in- you mention George Bello yet? He's next year. George oh. Bello. That's in Armenia. Bielent, Bielent, you say it because they keep complaining. Armenia Bielefeld. 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 In Bundesliga 2. Anything you yeah. want to interrupt me if you want to talk about anyone? No, you're good. Um, Jonathan Gomez, that is with Real Sociedad B, might get a few appearances here and there with the A team, maybe in Cups, but he'll be mostly with the B team as of now. Kyle Duncan, that'll be playing in Belgium. Mauricio Cuevas, that is with the Club Brugge U23s, I think, or reserve yeah, squad. The 23s. And I guess sort of uh, honorable mention, Timothy Chandler, that's in Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt, yeah. Did you mention Reggie Cannon already? Yeah, he was the second okay. one here yeah. um, for Boavista. Uh, mostly playing as a center back for them, right? Uh, yeah, more as a center back in a back three. Mm-hmm. Now midfielders, okay. First one, Eunice Moose. I think this one's worth talking a little bit. Even though we're over an hour, I think this one's worth talking a little yeah. bit. Yeah, no, it's okay. You can have a long long pod today. Eunice Musa Gattuso plays him centrally for the midfield uh, throughout the preseason. And their midfielders are not very old. Besides Soler, he's 25. Everyone else is around 20, 21. Yeah. They're young. Very so young. age is not going to be a problem. He has experience. It seemed like they were going to sign Arthur. Honestly, Arthur is not very good. So... I don't think that'll be a problem. This, I don't expect this to be a breakout season where he's dominant in La Liga, but his minutes will go up. He will yeah. play centrally. And I do expect after this season for him to have his breakout season. Yeah. Uh, I think things are looking very good for Yunus Musa this season, as long Agreed. as he's healthy. Agreed. Um, Luca De La Torre, I'll let you talk about him a little bit. Yeah, I was a huge fan of this move. I always said Spain should be the destination for him. And I especially love the Celta Vigo move because they play a 4-4-2 diamond. And what that essentially, although there is competition there in midfield, the fact is the fact that there are four spots available means there are two shuttler spots, which is the best role for Delatore. He can't play as a lone six and he's not really goal dangerous enough to be a pure 10. But as an eight, I think he will bring a lot to this team. I don't think he'll be a locked-in starter, but I think he'll start more than enough games to have a really good season. There, there might be a bit of an adjustment period going from Holland to La Liga, but it's a team and a league that values his skill set, and I think we're going to see a very good season from De La Torre. They also have Renato Tapia, which is a great six, very yeah. defensive-minded, so that as long as Tapia is healthy, when De La Torre is in the field, his defensive duties won't be similar to Heracles. Uh, no. There's a player for that with South yeah. a very good player. And so, he'll be free to get forward and do what he does best. Exactly. I'm looking forward to that one too. Next one, James Sands and Malik Tillman. They go to Rangers, a great team. We'll see how Sands and Tillman do. I, I, I'm fine with them there. It's a good challenge. It's a very strong team that made it to the Europa League final last season and lost to Frankfurt. They both got came off the bench last week, and mm-hmm. I didn't see them play. But from the reviews, a lot of people said they looked really good. Yeah. Um I didn't watch it either. It's a struggle for me to watch Scotland, even during the series. It's hard to find the game, and also sometimes they're too early. So, yeah. But I am going to try to catch one or two games from them this month to see how they're playing. Next one are the Venezia boys that will be playing in the Serie B. And there's actually a lot of Americans in Venezia. I'm going to focus on three that will probably be starters or get a lot of minutes. But yeah, there's also Jack DeVries and others that are in the academy or moving up to the senior team. But the main three... 
that I know of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's Tanner Tessman, General Cabusio, and Novakovic. Yeah, uh, Novakovic, the four. Novakovic has experience in the Serie B, can help Venezia, Busio, and Tenor. I think it's the right decision to stay there, play at that level, get promoted, get experience, and then be in the Serie A as a much more mature player in a year from now. Yeah. Um, Johnny Cardoso from Internacional continues to be in and out of the starting 11, getting more minutes, pretty much coming in every game, which is an improvement from last year, but still in and out of the lineup. To be fair, Internacional has been playing well. They're top four in Brazil right now, so... To be a rotational player at age 20, not bad, but Johnny still hasn't broken through. So as of now, just a player to watch out. Alan Sonora from Independiente in Argentina and Joel Sonora. I've talked about them extensively too in the series. If it's Greg Berhalter, the coach, Joel Sonora fits more than Alan Sonora, even though Alan is overall a better player. Joel's more the player that Greg likes, the pressing player. Taylor Booth from Utrecht. In Eredivisie, player to really watch out for. He's been playing as an eight for them. Mm. And he's been looking good. I only watched highlights and his touches from the game. And it looked good. I didn't watch the game itself. Um, Cole Bassett from Feyenoord, that they keep complaining about his ability in tight spaces. They talk about that. <laughs> but they keep they playing about, him. <laughs> they talk about that so much. It's like, give the kid a break. You already said it once or twice. Just yeah. leave it. Um, he did score on, last weekend for them in a friendly. Yeah, but every week it seems like one of their coaches or someone talks about it's like he's not good in tight, he's a great player, but not good in tight. It's like you guys have said that 250 times in the day to be easy by now. <laughs> Poor Cole Richie Ledesma from PSV. That maybe he'll go on alone as of now. When we're recording this, he's still in PS on PSV. I think he needs to go on alone, I think yeah. he needs to to really get regular minutes and build some momentum. Yeah, in a weaker Divisi team, maybe. Yeah. Um, Alex Mendez and Alejandro Alvarado from Vizela. will be interesting to see how Alvarado does this, if he gets minutes as a 19-year-old. Yeah. And Mendez yeah. already got a lot of minutes last yeah. season for Vizela. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Green and Tim Tillman from Firth in Bundesliga 2. Dwayne Holmes in the English Championship. Okay, and then you got two other players to mention quickly. Christian Kapp is from Bromby in Denmark and Ian Harks in Scotland. Then we move on to the forwards. Wait, don't forget Uliyanez playing for St. Poulton in the. I put him as a forward. I, I oh, put him okay. as a, yeah. Uli, we're going to get to him soon as a forward. Uh, the forwards, Timothy Weyer from Lille. I kind of talked about this in my video. It's past due a breakout season. He's yet to have a good season in the club level. Yeah. Never yeah. really had one, as far as no. I remember. No, very good for the US. Hasn't really played well for Lille consistently. Right, all mm-hmm. all of his goals for Leo came, I think, in the last three, four games. Of the yes, last yes. Year. <laughs> so, uh, but they keep playing him. They clearly value him. They still want him there. Um, we'll see how he does. He needs to play as a pure winger, in my opinion. Um, can play as a second forward, but I don't know if that really suits his game. Let him do what he does for the U.S. I think he has value there. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Next up on the list is Conrad de la Fuente, also in France for now. Looks like he might get a transfer. What do you uh, think about the real Valadolid possibility? Valadolid? Valadolid from... from Valadolid. Yeah. Valadolid. Ronaldo is the owner. Phenomenon. Yeah. I like it. I, I said this. I kind of want him to go to a weaker La Liga team. He's a technical player. And just let him play because he needs to figure out that final third. And yeah. for that, he has to play. He's talented. He has the technique. It's not that yeah. that has to improve. So... I'm fine with that. Olympique Marseille is the second best team in France and is in the Champions League. So 
probably needs to move down, take a step back to take two forward later on. I'm fine with that if it happens. Um, Next up, going to the the boys in Germany, Ricardo Pepe and Malone from Augsburg. Okay, Malone is a German-American dual national. And Ricardo Pepe, we all know Ricardo Pepe. Uh, We'll see how Pepe does this season. I still think he's not going to get as many minutes as we would want to. And the goals will be a struggle because they play terrorist soccer. They're it's soccer. terrible. Just terrible. Yeah. Then we got Pifak um, from Union Berlin. Union Berlin finished in fifth place last year in Bundesliga. Very good team and also not very rich. So they have to be smart about their signings. We'll see how Pifak does. I think he'll probably get goals, probably play a lot. But we do have question marks in terms of his mobility as a center forward, how much yeah. he moves, the press, even, even though it seems technique. technique, yeah. You know, but he's he is a poacher. I mean, he's a big poacher, very static, though. Like his to be a better poacher, I think his movement's going to have to be sharper in the final third. Mm -hmm. Next up is Matthew Hoppy. As of now, he's still technically a Mallorca player, but it looks like he might be on the move to Middlesbrough in the English Championship. But we never know with these rumors with Hoppy because his agent has been known for just putting fake rumors out there. Yeah. So we never know. I hope it's true. I think this would be a good move for him. Uh, Middlesbrough. Well, I would have said that, but then they signed a finished striker last week. So maybe the rumor was fake. The rumor might have been completely fake. I did a whole, you know, I didn't do a whole video on it, but I talked about it briefly. And they have three other strikers. They, they lost three forwards last season, which so mm-hmm. it made sense to me. They had Duncan Watmore there, and they have a few other guys, Josh Coburn. Uh, they have a few other guys who are there, but they're not like really great forwards. But then they signed this Finnish guy from Brentford. Uh, Marcus Forcer, I think his name is. So I can't see it anymore. Yeah, so maybe it was another fake transfer rumor from him because those have been kind of very common with Matthew Hoppy that yes. it got to a point where I haven't really taken very seriously until it's official. Yeah. Right. Um, then after Hoppy, you got Josh Sargent and John Jonathan Tomlinson, right? That's his name. Tomlinson, yeah. Tomlinson from Norwich, the center back. That is only 19, right? Turning 20 in Sargent. So I watched um, Norwich play over the weekend in the English Championship. Same. When they were playing in the Premier League, it looked like they were crap. Yeah. <laughs> and when they play in the Championship, it looks like they they're still, still in like the Premier crap. League. <laughs> yeah, they were really bad. Um, and Josh Sargent playing essentially the same role, a very defensive winger who has to do a lot of work defensively. And then when he gets in the final third, it's just clear this guy's not a winger. He can try to combine a little, but he's not a winger. He's just playing there because they have Pookie. So yeah. the the <sighs> Cristiano Ronaldo of the championship, Pookie. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, he's gonna probably play wide until Pookie leaves, if Pookie ever leaves. So it's gonna be annoying to watch. And then still in the championship, Pete, we have Daryl DK for West Brom. Mm-hmm. So Carlin Grant is their starter, and he had. Close to 20 goals last season. He'll probably be the starter. He's very good. Yeah. He could even play in the EPL. Uh, maybe he'll leave. We'll see. Uh, yeah. So DK will be in this backup, and he'll start and backup, start and backup. We'll see how it goes. I have high expectations for DK in the championship. I think it suits his game. But he's not a better player than Carlin Grant, so yeah. probably won't start over him. DK the is champ- great. Even if you look at his 20-minute cameo this last week, he's great at bullying players. But on the ball, still real struggles. Mm-hmm. Real yes. struggle. Then you got Haji Wright that stayed in Antalya Sport. We covered it last week on the transfer. It was the return of the ones who never left. He returned yep. to Antalya Sport after never really leaving. 
Um, Christian Ramirez in Scotland, Fullerton Balogun that today just got a loan to Rons, right? Rons, the one in Ligue 1 that signed Kobe Henry. He'll be on a loan from Arsenal there. Good move from him. Wasn't going to get I love it. Get him there. away from England so Gareth Southgate won't watch him and then we can <laughs> recruit him. Mm-hmm. Just get even, Kobe Henry on it. Even though being realistic here, he's not an English national team player. No, not no he's not. And yeah. may never be. No, um, it's not going to happen. Um, Emmanuel Sabi, that I still think he's in Denmark. Tyler Boyd, that apparently did well in preseason for Besiktas in Turkey, but we'll keep an eye on that. Yulianis from Polton in Austria that we briefly mentioned. And then there's two players that are youth players that will be in and out, which is Luca Coleosho that will be in the U23, the reserve squad of Espanol, and sometimes with the senior squad. And yeah. Dante Sealy with PSV is a similar situation. Those are all the players. Holy crap, we went through all of them. Yeah, yeah, we did. Whew. That's pretty. That's quite the compilation there. What's that, like 40 players at least? I just closed it now, the list. Okay. But it's, it's, it's what I cover every week there, so probably 30 to 40, depending on who plays. Boy, oh boy. That yeah. does it for today's episode, Pete. I'm going to let you close it because I didn't shut up for the last few minutes. All yours. Yeah, it's a long episode, but that's okay. If you guys ever complain that our episodes are too short, you will definitely enjoy this one. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, thanks for listening as always, guys. Thanks for you know rating and reviewing the pod. We will see you guys soon. Well, next week, we'll review probably what happened over the weekend. This weekend, I will do the Leeds versus Wolves game as a live uh, hangout, like a watch along. And Tack, you're going to do the Chelsea game? I might. I'm going to check the Pulisic news. If he's expected to at least be on the bench and come in, sure, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm just going to relax over the weekend and get the script ready for the abroad on Monday because that's a lot of work. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon.